Thank you for listening to the Prairie Oaks Pulpit Podcast. This is a recording of our Sunday morning sermons. I hope it is a blessing to you and contributes to your spiritual growth. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, supporting this ministry. God bless. Now let's get to the sermon. But if you want to look with me, 1 Samuel chapter 7. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 7. And to give you the context, so it's been a dark time for the children of Israel. They had, if you noticed in the, in the book of Judges, they would do pretty good for a little while, then they would sin from God, they would, they would stray from Him. And, and, and when, you move your, when you move away from God, then His blessing isn't on you. His presence isn't with you. And, and it gets hard. And so that was a cycle they would go through. And they would get through those hard times and then someone would come and, and be their liberator. You know, someone to, they, they called them judges. And, uh, but not the guys in the robes, but usually a guy with like an ox goat or, a, or like a jawbone of a, na- of a donkey or something like that. And so those things like that. And, uh, but they weren't dealing with the real problem. And so when you get to, First Samuel, Eli is, is the judge, but man, his sons are, are wicked. The nation is wicked and they were suffering from the Philistines and they were like, well, why is God not with us? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take the Ark of the Covenant with us and God will have to be with us if we take the Ark of the Covenant with us. And they learned a valuable lesson that God isn't a lucky charm. God isn't to be easily manipulated. God is holy. God is righteous and God is judge. And God doesn't play favorites. He even allowed his Ark of the Covenant to fall in the hands of the Philistines and and the nation of Israel to to suffer a horrendous defeat and even the tabernacle to be destroyed because they would not repent. And that's where we kind of wind up here in in chapter 7 of 1 Samuel is that the Lord is letting them experience his absence. Because they've strayed from him. And, and now the Ark of the Covenant had wound up back in, in their territory. But they were kind of scared of the thing. People had died. People had gotten the plague from the thing. Because they weren't treating God as holy. They weren't treating God as righteous. And, and it finally starts to dawn on them. In chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then the men of, of Kiriath-Urim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. So it was that the ark remained in Kiriath-Urim a long time, about 100 years. And it was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. They were grieving that they lost the Lord. They they knew something was wrong, and they finally started to grieve over that. They lamented that. And that's not repentance yet, but it's a good start. When you realize that God isn't with you, that's a good start. You know, Samson, it took him a while to figure that out. He, he kind of suffered a horrendous defeat in his life, and it was because he didn't realize the Lord wasn't with him anymore. Um, and so they realized the Lord wasn't with them. And they go to Samuel and apparently they ask kind of what's going on. And so verse three says, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, if you return to the Lord, your, return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and Ashtoreths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and serve the Lord only. What do you think is the key word in that paragraph there? 
Only. Only. They weren't real good at only, were they? They wanted to have it all. And we may not think what, you know, we may not have a little statue in our house that we're, that we're worshiping a, a little Baal or an Ashtoreth or something like that. But I tell you what those gods did represent. They represented prosperity. They represented sexual pleasure. They represented a lot of the things that we pursue in our country instead of pursuing God. So we really aren't far from them, are we? We just gussied up our idolatry. Imagine how our country, our hearts, let's get to not just them, but us, to me. How would my life be different if I wasn't pursuing prosperity or sexual pleasure or other things instead of, instead I worshiped and pursued after a relationship with God. Imagine how my life would be different. Because when the gifts become more important than the giver, that's how they become idols. And so he tells them, so you prepare your heart to serve the Lord only. Only. And so they did. They're like, okay, well, we better get serious about this. And Samuel, uh, verse 5, and Samuel said, gather all the gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. One of the things that God has been teaching me is what repentance looks like. And we see it here. One was they went back to where God had been. Mizpah doesn't mean anything to you maybe, unless you've been spending a lot of time in Joshua and Judges in your Bible study. But it's one of the ancient landmarks. And, you know, we, we dress up in our Arkansas tuxedos and, and come and sing old songs that we remember from our childhood or maybe from your parents' childhood. But we're going back to that ancient landmark. For us, it's kind of fun, but it's also supposed to turn our hearts back to the godly heritage of the past. You may not have grew up in that family, but it's there. And so he, get, he tells them, gather back to, to that landmark. And I want you to fast. I want you to grieve over sin. And that's what they did. He says, I want you to confess your sins. Admit that you've done wrong. And that's what they said. We have sinned against the Lord. And then the last step of, of repentance is that they changed. There was consecration that took place. They made changes And they needed help with that. And Samuel judged the children of Israel. He helped them with the specifics of what needed to change in their lives. And so they repented. Now, repentance starts with the same two letters as revival. And that's what we've been praying for. So repentance leads to revival. It's in the dictionary first because it's also in our hearts first. Repentance leads to revival. But revival doesn't mean that it immediately gets easier. I want you to notice there in verse 7, the enemy comes. Now, the Philistines weren't opposed to revival. Don't get me wrong. They were just the enemy physically. But there's a spiritual enemy, and he'll use whoever he can to distract you, to deter you from revival. And the Philistines didn't even know they were working for him, but he knew that they were working for him. The devil knows that if repentance and revival are happening, he wants to quench that. And God allows it because he wants our faith to be tested. He wants our faith to grow. He wants it to be real. And that's how it gets to be real. 
Will we stay faithful or will we allow the distractions and the, and the detours to overwhelm us? And so verse 7 says, Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. They realized a very important truth. They weren't enough. They needed God. In fact... This is before David defeats Goliath. This is before Saul and his armies. This is probably about the same time, if not after the, uh, the time of Samson. But for the most part, the Philistines have been on top and the Israelites on the bottom. And they cry out in fear that God has to help them. And so I want you to see what they did. Verse 8. Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Bethkar. It's fascinating to me. So they just had a worship service. They made offerings. They cried out to God. They prayed. They didn't leave town. They stayed there. The enemy was encircling, but they're like, we're just going to stay here until God answers. I think that's a pretty good lesson for us, is it not, brother? That we need to stay with God until he answers. And God didn't even need their help. Now, we know, because we're real smart, we've been in science class at some point in our life, that it's not the thunder that you should be scared of. It's the lightning, right? But that's because God was using something that the Philistines and the Israelites knew. Because the Baal that they had turned their back on, he was supposed to be the God of thunder. He didn't control thunder. We know who does. We know who controls the storms. And he's the one who carries us and shelters us through the storms. But he used that storm to chase the Philistines away. And they just ran. They were scared. The fear of the Lord came on them. And they ran and fled. And so all the children of Israel had to do was come out of their, from their hiding places where God was, was where they were worshiping God, and, and just chase the Philistines off. That was the victory. God just did it effortlessly. The enemy was powerless against him. And so I want you to see what they did next, and and then we'll be done. Verse 12, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. He set up a stone, a landmark. This is our new landmark. Mizpah was the old ancient landmark. He set up a new ancient landmark, didn't he? That the Lord has advanced us. And here's, here's the takeaway. Here's, the, here's two of the lessons. One is, are we setting up Ebenezer's in our life of how the Lord has helped us? We need those reminders. We need those, those landmarks. Because we've been through some things and now we're seeing where God has, has provided and brought us through. Uh, Matt's lesson, where did Matt go? There you are. Matt's lesson this morning in Sunday school was about how 
even in the worst of times when they lost everything, God says, I will restore. You wait for it. Stay faithful. He's a faithful God. But then the other half of that is, are we advancing? Are we growing in our faith? Or are we conceding territory in our hearts? Are we surrendering to the enemy? Or are we winning against sin and temptation? I pray that we're continuing to grow in our faith and continuing to win against sin and temptation and that we commemorate those victories because we have a faithful God. If we just will let him help us, if we will just say, come and help me, God. He is far from the wicked, the Proverbs says, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. And so we're going to have a... We're going to have a word of prayer. If you've got questions about the things we've talked about, I want you to talk to me uh, today about those things. But then we're going to have some more singing and, and we're going to see how all this fits together. But let's pray. Father, you know hearts. You know, Lord, where we're at. You know our brokenness. You know our failings. You know our weaknesses. And you know in your holiness and righteousness, we're not worthy to have you with us. But in your mercy and grace, if we will cry out to you, if we will turn from those sins that grieve you and that should grieve us, then we'll find that you are near and that you deliver and that you go with us, Lord. It may not be the last time we face that enemy, but we have a landmark that you have given victory in the past and you will give victory again. Lord, I pray that you'd move in people's hearts through the songs, through the prayers, and through your word. And in the name of Jesus, the son of David, conquering hero, 